0: Did you know that Queen Amidala is a pioneer of drag and Darth Vader is a Jesus baby? It's empathy in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, this week on Why Do You Know That?
1: Why do you know that? The podcast that wants to know why you know so much about a very specific topic. I'm Nadia Osman. I'm Steve
0: Slaga. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nadia. Steve. Yeah.
1: I have some news. You have news. I am going to be traveling internationally. Oh. I'm going to Japan. Japan? I am. I'm going to Tokyo and Kyoto for a week.
0: I can't believe you are dropping this on me on air, live, in you, front of our silent guests. You knew. Did I?
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. Oh.
0: I can't believe you're dropping this live to our listeners.
1: <laughs> live on air. Live on air. In studio. You
0: didn't, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, no, you're right, I did know. Yeah. I think I knew that you were tossing around the idea. I don't know if I knew that it was for sure.
1: Oh, that I had pulled the trigger. Or
0: maybe you pulled the trigger, but I wasn't listening properly and thought that you were still thinking about it.
1: That's okay. When are you going? I'm going towards the end of November. Yes,
0: I knew because we're like planning recording episodes around your trip to Japan. See,
1: you have a better memory than you think I know, but,
0: but when you like announced it to me, I thought my brain just immediately threw all the knowledge I had out. <laughs> And just welcomed the idea that this was new information. <laughs> so now uh, I get it.
1: You know what's new information about it? So as I'm like, obviously, there's a lot of new information because I've never been there and I'm doing a ton of research. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, every research guide that I come across like is obsessed with the bathrooms. Like every one just leads with like, first of all, the toilets are amazing. And I'm like, why are we so obsessed with this? I came here to read about like which temple to go to and like which rail pass I should buy and who's got the best ramen. And I swear to God, every single time, they're just like, Tokyo's an amazing city. First off, the bathrooms. I'm like, we (laughs) need to calm down about like (laughs) culturally different places to piss. You know
0: what? When you get there and you shit, You're going to open up TripAdvisor, and you're going to go to those reviews, and you're not going to be able to find them, and you're going to be like, God damn it.
1: Can you imagine the one-star reviews on certain toilets?
0: Uh, there's an app brought to you by the good people at Charmin, not an ad, called Sitter Squat, and it, uh, it shows you where all the public restrooms are around you based on your location, and you can rate them. So you can uh, sit is, means good. This is a clean, nice public restroom. You can use Squat means you'll want to squat over the toilet because it's such a dirty bathroom.
1: That's disgusting.
0: I thought squat meant don't. It, in terms of restrooms, this is squat. This is not a restroom. This is not, this is unusable. But it means squat as in like, it's still a restroom. You just don't want your butt to touch the toilet.
1: Uh.
2: That's
0: sitter squat brought to you by Charmin. <laughs>
1: Hey, Steve, where'd that pile of money come from? Um,
0: <laughs> oh, I don't—I didn't even notice that there. I didn't even notice I brought that in with me.
1: <laughs> it's labeled Charmin. Uh, <laughs> this, ugh, you know what? What? It's so. Well, let me see if I can do this. Hold on. That...
0: I have one, but now we're going to. Oh, let do you? you I'm going to no, let you do, do it. it. No, no I'm going to let you no, do it. Now you go. Okay. I lost mine. Speaking of pieces of shit. <laughs> Uh, the other one I had was, well, while you're traveling to Japan, it, it's a lot like experiencing traveling to a different planet of Naboo.
1: You're all, we're almost there. You
0: don't like, okay.
1: It's so close. This but... is a
0: weak segue day today.
1: <laughs> it doesn't deserve This a is segue.
0: a rough day for segues. Here's
1: the thing. When I'm in Japan, it's going to be so foreign to me, almost yes. as if I'm on a different planet.
0: That's That's what I was going for. <laughs> but instead I said, Japan is Naboo. <laughs> but you got it.
1: We should introduce our guest. Yeah,
0: with such a good strong segue.
1: <laughs> Not at all. He's a writer and comedian and the host of, of the podcast Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw. Please welcome Joseph Scrimshaw.
3: I am also a piece of shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Untrue.
3: Please use that in all my bio. <laughs>
1: Absolutely untrue. This is one of the, <laughs> the nicest butt I've ever met.
0: That's going to be in the like Instagram promo is just a loop of you saying that over and, and over. I'm uh, a piece of shit. <laughs> Tune in next week. Where? I'll squat.
3: i squat for this whole podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um all these all these references to intergalactic travel, if you would. <laughs> Not quite intergalactic travel, just international, but in in this pod today we're going to be talking about uh the intergalactic world that uh that takes place in star wars episode one the phantom menace specifically we're going to be getting into the topic of empathy in star wars colon episode one the phantom menace
0: yeah
1: uh which is i love how specific yeah,
0: we do. Uh, we, we do, do li- like specific. We do live up we to the thing that we
1: like- we say in the in the show. Discussion. Yeah, I would say <laughs> that this
0: topic is a specific one,
1: <laughs> but it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, let's start with what I always ask all our guests, Joseph. Yeah. Why do you know that?
3: Uh, because I like Star Wars a lot, uh-huh. and I have watched the prequels and the Phantom Menace and all the Star Wars movies many, many times. Uh, but then I have a podcast called Force Center. It's all about Star Wars, where we talk about Star Wars a lot and dig into, like, themes. And in particular, I started doing a—the podcast has many shows. And I started doing one called Star Wars Counseling, uh, where people would write in with specific issues they had with Star Wars. So it really made me start to look at it uh, on an even deeper level. And this is just one of the specific ideas that, uh, that I really gravitate toward, because I think it is uh, a thing that kind of unlocks lots of ideas about Star Wars. And whether or not the execution is great in The Phantom Menace, in terms of some of the, you know, dialogue, some of the acting, all that, uh, those standard criticisms, this clear idea of empathy and symbiosis and people needing one another is clearly incredibly intentional and well-layered by Lucas.
1: I want to get so in detail on all of this. <laughs> However, I gotta ask, like, what's the weirdest Star Wars counseling question that you've gotten?
3: Oh, weirdest is hard. Uh, sometimes people get just real hung up on a small detail. One that comes up a lot is people really don't like that uh, Lando is wearing what appears to be Han's clothes at the end of Empire Strikes Back.
1: <laughs> You're talking to somebody who also has these like weird obsessive details. Like, uh, what was it? Um... Oh god, I'm trying to remember like the most recent movie that I saw where I was like, why is this happening? And I just got like very, very hung up on it. Oh, and I saw Itch Chapter 2. Oh, yeah, there's a lot um, to be hung up
3: on. Yes.
1: Yum. I mean, I don't know what the fucking rules of Pennywise are, but I also don't I couldn't understand like why uh, Bill Hader's character was like, what special was he doing for a stand up where he just comes <laughs> out and immediately like leads with like, thanks everybody. So I caught my wife cheating. Like, how do you you lead with that? What what number special is that? That you're like this is taped. This is like a whole thing that's gonna be put out. Like, what channel's it be put out? This is a Netflix deal, this is HBO. Like, I got so in my head about it. And then 10 minutes passed and I was like, what Chinese restaurant is this that
2: exists
3: in Dairy Maine? And
1: like every 10 minutes was a new thing for me to be hung up on in my head. I think think it's a
3: 15 minute special, so we just had to get into the content
1: immediately. (laughs) It was a Comedy Central half hour.
0: It was a tight five.
1: (laughs) He had this giant giant stage for a tight five.
0: It was um, his audition for Last Comic Standing. (laughs) and He didn't get it, so he was like, I guess I'll go to Derry and I'll fight it. I'll wrestle with my emotions and die, possibly. (laughs)
1: Let's go back for a second in space for just a moment. Let's not just
0: go back a second. Let's go back long, long ago.
1: Yeah, the a galaxy far, far away. Um, Steve, what's your connection to the Star Wars universe and Phantom Menace? Because obviously, just a huge fan. Yes. Um, I personally, I think Star Wars is fine. Like, <laughs> I know I'm going to piss off everybody saying this. I think a lot of it had to do with watching it growing up. Even though we had Princess Leia, there weren't like enough women in those early ones for me to really latch on to as a little kid. Totally understandable. And it just felt like, okay, this is a thing where it's, you know, a princess story and they're fighting for her and stuff. But a lot of stuff either flew over my head or I just like couldn't get on. There was nothing for me to really connect to when I was six, seven, eight in the way that I think a lot of young men were able to connect Mm -hmm. at a super, super young age. Mm -hmm. And then when the prequels came out, kind of the same. I think I was a little older past that age range that could have latched off because my sister's a few years younger than me, and she's a big Star Wars fan. And I think it started because of Phantom Menace. Like, she got into the shit at a much younger age than me, so, like, now she's a big fan of it, and I'm just like, okay, sure, yeah. Like, I got nothing against it, but I'm not, like, actively advocating for it, but so many people have actively tried to change my mind about that. What about you?
0: Um. Well, I... The first Star Wars I ever saw was the re-release. I think it was the late 90s when they put them back out in theaters and had new. But it was before DVD because I think they re-released VHSs of them. Yeah. And I remember I only wanted to go because there was a new scene with a CGI Jabba the Hut. <laughs> and my brother was really, I think that was, I think it might have been Empire. Was it's that the A one New that? Hope. A New Hope. Okay. So the first one. Um, so I went to go see that because my brother was really not really into Star Wars, but he liked Star Wars and he wanted to go see all of them. And I was like, of oh, the Hutt. OK, <laughs> I remember that from the bits and pieces I've seen of Return of the Jedi. So I saw that in theaters. Don't didn't really pay much attention. I didn't really nothing really retained. Then a couple of years later, um, Phantom Menace came out on my 17th birthday. Wow. Yes. Huge. And so I kind of felt like this is meant to be, I'm supposed to go see Star Wars and like get into this. It's coming out on my birthday. So we all went on my birthday. And when you're 17, you don't know what's good or not. So I was like, that seemed fine based on what I know. I remember thinking Jar Jar was funny.
1: <laughs> you and my sister.
0: Yeah, I remember, th- I remember liking Jar Jar.
1: What I remember is every commercial that played, because Phantom Menace was heavily promoted. You were alive at that time. My God, every TV commercial was for Phantom Menace. Yes. And my sister, before we all went to see it, was like, every time they throw Jar Jar on screen, she was like, that guy fucking sucks. <laughs> she was just like, that guy is so stupid. What is his deal? Like, she was just relentlessly against this guy at like age eight, nine, ten. She's was just like, Jar Jar's terrible. I fucking hate this guy. And then when she walked out of the theater, she was like, I don't know, I liked him. And I'm like... <laughs> That, that's it. That's all it took. I She's like, yeah, she, uh, I guess I like him now.
3: She connected with the intent of the creator. Many yeah. people did not at the time. But yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I do too. Be- yeah, I don't well, know. That makes sense to me because I think a lot of what it was is I, I'm a little older, so I grew up with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I think after in, in the years in between, people of my generation generally got into like lightsaber fighting, bounty hunters, war, the Imperial theme, Darth Vader's a badass and totally just took away anything that was whimsical or fun. And we got obsessed with it's going to be dark, it's Mm going to be badass. And there are parts of it that are, but Jar Jar is so like, hi! (laughs) Yeah. The silly, whimsical part that you forgot about turned to 11. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Especially the
1: target age, which was like they deliberately aged that one down because I think Lucas wanted to talk, like, do a movie that was like, yeah, this is for kids. And the, but the core demo was much older at that point because they were like so ready for the next. A uh, generation of films to come out, yeah, and I feel like that certainly contributed to the both the Jar Jar hatred and also the general like let's get even more nitpickier <laughs> with this particular film. Yes,
3: yes, exactly.
1: Are you are you gonna get Disney And oh yes. Um, are you excited for The Mandalorian?
3: I'm very excited for The Mandalorian.
1: Are you as excited as I am to just hear <laughs> Werner Herzog say, Please lower your
3: blaster.
1: <laughs> because I saw like a clip that was going around the internet, and I had no idea that he was involved in this thing. And hearing Werner Herzog say anything remotely related to the Star Wars universe, like, it brings me great joy because yeah. it just does not belong.
3: He's, he, I think he's, getting, he's at least has one meaty scene that I saw at the Star Wars Celebration convention, which is probably what you saw uh, floating around the internet—a pirated copy of that early scene. But yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of weird, heartthrob, <laughs> saying <laughs> weird things.
1: I know, and that's like, like I will, I, <laughs> I will pay for a month just to like. To get clips of Werner Herzog saying shit like <laughs> just like that, we're if you not like
3: even... grizzled weirdos. The Mandalorian is going to be great.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: Nolte too. It's, yeah, weathers. Yes. Oh my God. It's just grizzled weirdo city. Now, see, this is
1: the kind of thing that makes me excited for it. Like, I can get into a 10-hour-long drama. I can get into a, <laughs> a miniseries. I put up with all of season two of Big Little Lies. Like, I, I will stick this out no matter what. Yeah. You me if it's good?
0: long, <laughs> if there's lots of hours,
1: yeah, Nadia's
3: in... If I Meryl get- <laughs> Streep puts in weird teeth, right?
1: <laughs> yes, and does that insane scream oh, when yeah. she's like, "Don't you children want to like feel your feel?" That's not what she says, but she's just like, "I get angry too," and then like, "Let's <laughs> She's good. She's yeah, good. I
0: skipped season two. I think we already talked about why. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, because it there shouldn't have been one. No, absolutely. Because not. people were nominated at one. Emmy Awards for the category of miniseries and I think if you're just going to be like well it did well we're doing a season two and every miniseries Emmy you won needs to go back and just like <laughs> the second recount the votes whoever came in second gets the award because you did not appear in a miniseries. Yeah. Unless it's anthology like Sarah Paulson can win for all the American Horror Stories because that's different. Right. Because but that is just season two.
1: But it's a miniseries among this umbrella of like a larger franchisee thing. If
0: you have a season one and a Season two. Yeah. And they are continuing the same story. <laughs> they are not two mini series, they are together. A series. Would you feel better
3: if they scratched the mini off of their own Emmys and then took photos of them and posted them on the internet
0: as an acknowledgement? Yes, because they defaced the Emmy <laughs> and they feel that that's inappropriate. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: I not, feel that's fine. There's not many
1: institutions that you feel strongly about, <laughs> but nope. the Emmys is that's one
2: That's about of them. it. The
3: energy you had of it slowly building inside you is the yeah. same energy that
0: Meryl had when she was talking to the children about her anger yeah. in <laughs> Big Little Lies season two. That's why I couldn't watch it. I would have connected too much.
1: <laughs> uh, speaking of anger, I feel like...
0: I know where that leads.
1: <laughs> a lot of strong feelings about yes. Star Wars Call It Episode One: Phantom Menace. Uh, Joseph, would you be so kind as to take us through sort of a brief overview? Let's say somebody who woke up from a coma and had no idea what this was about. Could you give us like a quick a breakdown of what happens in the film.
3: Yeah, what the film is about? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: and just sort of like generally who are the big players, what's going on in it. Yes. Um, Uh,
3: On the surface level, the plot is that two Jedi knights, uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn, are sent to mediate a trade dispute on the planet Naboo between the Trade Federation led by the Namodians and uh, the leader of the Naboo, uh, Queen Amidala, Uh, Basically, it turns out that this is a larger plot than they uh, expected. They end up uh, kind of having some adventures with Queen Amidala in which they meet the young uh, boy, Anakin Skywalker. Qui-Gon Jinn becomes obsessed with the idea that young Anakin is the chosen one spoken of in Jedi Prophecy, who will bring balance to the Force. Qui Gon becomes obsessed with being willing to train him, and that's kind of Qui Gon's main thrust. But the plot running in the background is that this whole uh, blockade of the planet Naboo, this trade federation conflict, is just a thing that is set up by the actual titular Phantom Menace, who is uh, Chancellor Palpatine, secretly the Sith Lord Darth Sidious who is plotting to basically put his own planet, Naboo, in conflict so he can be elected chancellor through a sympathy vote, which he does successfully do in the movie. Uh, And basically the movie ends with Qui-Gon's death, but convincing his Padawan, Obi-Wan Kenobi to train Anakin Skywalker no matter what and with the Jedi aware that the Sith are existing and somehow somewhere in the shadows and with uh, Queen Amidala and the rest of the Naboo having repaired their fractured relationship with the other natives of the planet Naboo who are called the Gungans, which is uh, what Jar Jar Binks' species is. So it appears as though there is a happy ending but and we have just gone on a kind of a fun space fantasy adventure on the surface, but in reality, the phantom, actual Phantom Menace has won and put into place all of the machinery of his eventual destruction of the Jedi and takeover of the galaxy.
1: Holy shit.
0: That's how you start a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you end the start of a trilogy. That's how
1: you start and end a plot summary, mm-hmm. my friends. <laughs> Take note.
0: Yeah, I was the whole time like, oh, he's recapped. Phantom Menace, several times. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually very hard to recap because it is I, not a traditionally w- structured
3: film.
1: I was going to say, uh, in like w- watching clips again and sort of rereading, like to refresh my own memory of what happens, uh, there's so many elements of it where I was like, I hope he can do this because like, <laughs> I certainly can't. I have, <laughs> I have a bunch of summaries in front of me, and I'm like, uh, yeah, so. Uh, there's a kid, and uh, he's uh, an orphan, and he's run <laughs> by a Jewish stereotype. Like, that's his, his dad. His dad is a Jewish stereotype. His this dad is, is junk.
3: possibly the Midichlorians, possibly Darth Sidious, but that's a whole other discussion. Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are worse. that flew over Close my head. Close that but... can of worms,
0: not <laughs> We're here for empathy. Oh, I'll
3: I'll open the Midichlorians can of worms again. That's impar- important to the whole empathy thing. Ooh.
1: Okay. So now we know. Generally what's going on <laughs> here. Generally. It generally. generally. Let, and now I'm going to take a super hard left, and uh, could you help us, <laughs> d- before we get too deep into things, uh, let's lay out what empathy is. Okay. So empathy is the ability to understand thoughts and feelings of others and be able to share those. Uh, uh, there's different versions of empathy. There's cognitive, emotional, and compassionate, uh, is my understanding. Uh, it. Although individual differences in empathy could be based on genetic differences, research shows that it's possible to boost the capacity for empathetic, empathic understanding. There. There we go. It was like there's words missing um as I'm reading. Um and nerd scientists have sort of advanced this idea of mirror neurons. Wait,
0: what scientists?
1: Uh, neuroscientists.
0: <laughs> you said nerd scientists. <laughs> and you Fucking said nerds. It, you said it so casually that you're just <laughs> like <laughs> Your hatred just ran so deep, Jeez. you don't get any there's yeah, So I'm, nerd scientists.
1: I'm alienating all kinds of communities today. Um, so neuroscientists have this Nerds. idea that's floating. <laughs> I mean, they are. <laughs> there's this idea floating around called mirror neurons, which are believed to enhance the capacity to show and read and mimic emotional signals through facial expressions and body language. Um, this is kind of in debate, but generally speaking, Empathy helps us figure out, like, how to behave in a more compassionate manner. That's, like, the core of it. Um, so how, like, they <laughs> knowing this yeah. and knowing all that stuff about Phantom Menace, <laughs> let's just start going through it. Uh, like, who and what are the big beats of how empathy is really on display?
3: Yeah, so there are couple things uh one is that this i the idea of symbiosis of actually needing one another which i think of empathy being related to because you have to be able to sort of understand uh, and uh, have empathy for other people in order to function together uh it comes up The idea of symbiosis comes up literally in dialogue where Obi-Wan Kenobi says to the Gungans that they have a symbiotic relationship with the people of Naboo, which is the plot unfolds basically like, yes, the people of Naboo can't possibly get out of the trouble they're in with the Trade Federation without having respect and empathy for the Gungans. And then the Gungans actually return that empathy by saying like, oh, we always thought you were assholes who thought you were better than us. But since you're asking for help and telling us... You don't think you're better than us? We will help you. Uh, so there's little literal plot mechanics like that. Uh, we can get into the midi chlorians because uh, there's a literal direct dialogue about that. Midi chlorians are uh, life forms living together for mutual advantage. Is how uh, Qui Gon describes them. So a lot of people got mad back in the day about midi chlorians because it makes the Force a little bit more science-y. Nerds. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is explained that. In the cells of all living beings, there are these tiny microscopic uh, beings called midichlorians, and they whisper to us, allowing us to uh, to know the will of the force. So some people are like, mm, it made it made the force all scientific because it's just like it's something that's in your blood. But like tiny beings that exist within your body that whisper <laughs> the will of the strange unifying force.
1: Absolute hardcore science yeah, right yeah. there. Real
0: Real nerdy science, real nerd science <laughs> stuff. Uh but they really, it, they really defeated the whole mystery of the force with that one. Like. <laughs> they really did. They really did.
3: Uh, but it's the idea uh that uh that it is lit- there's literally a symbiosis of like uh these sentient beings in the Star Wars galaxy. It's not even just that they couldn't access all of these Jedi powers, that they kind of wouldn't be aware of a larger idea of existence outside of individual organisms they wouldn't be aware that there's a sort of unifying field that we're all connected that all of nature is connected without these midi chlorines. so there's uh many many different themes of symbiosis that are like literal and specific but in terms of like just straightforward empathy the plot hinges in the middle of the film on Qui-Gon and Padme Padme being able to get a new uh, hyperdrive generator for their J-type 327 Nubian starship so they can get off of Tatooine uh, and it's very, it gets very convoluted. But basically, they go to, they run into Anakin. There's a sandstorm. Anakin invites them to his home, which is already just like, hey, weird strangers I met for five seconds <laughs> who are trying to buy something <laughs> at my slave owner's shop. So already that's just like kindness. But it, it, as it, as the main plot is developing, uh, Qui Gon is becoming this, obsessed with this idea that Anakin is the chosen one, and Anakin wants to race in this dangerous pod race because he figures he can make enough money to help them. Okay. And initially, yeah. his mom Shmi doesn't want him to because it's dangerous and it's scary. Uh, and I
1: forgot that his mom's name was Shmi.
3: Shmi, <laughs> it's <laughs> like a good Captain thing to Hulk. always remember. Yeah, yes.
1: I forget from time to time how, what Star Wars names are. Like <laughs> in terms of like, I like the I don't ask me how I know this, but I'm aware that you uh, in larger canon, Yoda has a wife. And her name is Yaddle.
3: It is not his wife. It's just the, another of his spe- species. All never right. identified.
1: Sorry, I fucked it up. Just but because the,
3: they're late. both Yoda <laughs> species doesn't
0: mean they're <laughs> so... <laughs> you know it's what,
3: embarrassing. you're embarrassing. Just because you, you see two Yodas, they're married. You guys were both in this apartment when I arrived, so you're married, right? And mm-hmm. You, okay. According you know, to Nadia. You know what? This
1: is on me. I'm going to take full ownership <laughs> of this. I'm so, it's totally understandable. I'm so sorry to the Yoda community. I'm going to issue an apology yeah. on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my iPhone apps. This is the first
3: time I've questioned that Mrs. Pac-Man could be married to any other Pac-Man. Yeah. Not the Pac-Man we know, maybe. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. just
1: they could both have the last name Pac-Man, and he <laughs> might just go by Pac-Man as the last name. Right. But the idea of like naming a lady... Yoda Yaddle is very funny to me because it's just a funny name. Shmi is a funny name.
0: Do all the Yoda people have names like Yoda, Yaddle, Yiddle? Yiddle? These are the only Yoda people we know. Really? Yeah, it's a mystery. Are they the last ones? Because then I think it it falls to them too. (laughs) 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 Too late. Unless Yoda had some adventures on Dagobah there. He could have had no... Anyway.
1: Does Yoda fuck?
0: <laughs> <That's Yeah>. a- <laughs> Let's ask our Star Wars expert. Does Yoda fuck? <laughs> well,
3: it's It's interesting you bring it up. It, it is uh, It is open in, to interpretation in the Jedi Code whether or not one can fuck. Mm-hmm. One is not supposed to make attachment uh, because that can lead to the dark side, uh, which, which is exactly what happens to Anakin in the prequel trilogy. But, eh having some casual sex. It's actually been in some books where Jedi debate whether or not <laughs> that technically breaks the Jedi code. There's, there's a, a sloppy Jedi who is introduced in a <laughs> a sloppy, <laughs> sloppy PTSD suffering Jedi who's like, what? Uh, the barmaid and I like each other? I'm not attached to her. I'm not going to fall to the dark side over this. But yeah, so it is possible that Yoda <laughs> could
0: be like, I'm lonely on Dagobah. Yaddle shows up. I'd, I'd posit that Denying oneself the uh, pleasures pleasures of the flesh flesh. (laughs) could could lead to some pent up aggression that could also lead you to the Dark side. Yeah, but you so can take just,
3: that. You can just meditate that away. Oh, yeah.
0: Got it. I With guess. the me, what? Med medichlorian. The medichlorians. Medi- <laughs> <laughs> medichlorians are just yet. like, Don't fuck.
3: <laughs> <laughs> They're whispering the will of the force. So maybe oh. some medichlorians are like
0: fuck, yeah. and then other
3: medichlorians are like, mm, don't, don't fuck.
0: Don't do it. Yeah, medichlorians are warning. Sorry, I've, I've got to fuck. It's my medichlorians. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Babe, I gotta. I gotta leave. It's the medichlorians. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could stay. Oh, I'll I'd call you. all when I'm back around sometime, I'd leave so
0: many parties with that excuse of just like I gotta go home. Sorry, I want to party, but my mitochondria's are tired. <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: so sorry I didn't call you back. My mitochondria's are just acting up.
0: What's that? What's that? Oh, I have to. I I have to leave this dinner. My mitochondria's are speaking to <laughs> me. They're not hungry.
1: <laughs> I'm starting to think these are just an excuse to get out of things. No,
0: they are real and loud and talking to me.
1: <laughs> um. So. So, so, yeah, so yeah. The,
3: the 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 real plot point, the point of dialogue is that uh, Anakin basically convinces his mom, Shmi, uh, to allow him to do this by saying, Mom, you say the biggest problem in the universe is nobody helps each other. And it's one of those lines that you can just sort of like, oh, that just sounds like a happy line in a happy movie that a young kid says with not the greatest delivery, not his fault. Uh, but this idea of specifically having empathy, being... Selfless, like in later, Qui-Gon says he gives without any thought of reward. And that idea of having empathy is really the turning point in like all of Star Wars storytelling. Nobody ever wins alone. Nobody ever does like a big like, I'm going to be Rambo and I'm just going to run in alone. Every moment of victory is because somebody decided to help when they didn't have to, initially didn't want to. Han Solo's famous turning back to help Luke get the Death Star, none of that happens without him, uh, Rogue One, a lot of people are attached to that movie You know, Jin Erso is gonna she doesn't know what she's gonna do until basically Cassian Andor and everybody else goes we'll go with you uh, so I've just really been gravitating towards that moment, that idea, because for George Lucas this is the first movie mm-hmm. this is the movie that really sets up the themes and ideas that are gonna radiate out through the entire story And for people, if you want to dive a little deeper into Star Wars, like, what is it about? It is about pacifism. And it is about George Lucas really likes to talk about how they're all for 12 year olds, like all of them, no matter how dark. Uh, He he was great. He said it at a Star Wars convention in front of a bunch of adults dressed as Jedi. (laughs) 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 He turned to the audience like it's for 12 year olds. And what he always means by that is it is about learning or relearning kind of these really core basic Sesame Street level values. So that's part of the reason I've become very interested and obsessed with how he embedded these ideas in this particular film, because it's really the starting point.
1: Right, it sounds like in the scene where uh, young Anakin is like, yeah, come hang out with my slave mom. Uh, <laughs> Look at my you're, robot, Yeah, you're, <laughs> my
3: naked robot. Your <laughs>
1: space car's broken down, we can help. It's definitely sounds like uh, what would be described as compassionate empathy, which or also known as empathic concern. I got it right this time. Nice. Uh, and it goes sim- beyond- Concern? Sp- yeah. <laughs> You're so concerned over that phrasing. <laughs> um, compassionate empathy basically goes beyond simply understanding what others are going through and and like going, oh, I, I feel your pain, and moving you to take action or help however you can. So it seems like what young Annie's got a lot of is compassionate empathy, where he's like, no, no, but I can take charge. I can actually make something happen. I can help these guys by bringing them to our home and showing them my world and uh, bridging whatever gap of misunderstanding there might be between them. Um, I might also just be a nine-year-old kid who's just like, cool, strangers, come (laughs) see all my shit. I don't get enough attention. (laughs) Validate me. And I want to...
3: Do a dangerous race and my mom won't let me until I pull out the come on, kindness, right? Yeah. And so there, there definitely is some tension to that. But right. it, but it is all meant also meant to show that he's starting off from a place of, of purity.
1: Right. Uh <laughs> yeah. Like other examples of like compassionate empathy and real world stuff would be like you make a meal so your friend doesn't need to worry about cooking. Uh you might like you do errands for somebody if they're going through a hard time that sort of thing you you hang out with a friend if they they're feeling lonely or like you help them take care of something like it's one way of how uh compassionate empathy works uh because it's really about exercising it um and so like something that came to mind is this idea that like what works for you may not work for this person or work in certain situations so like There is a little bit of debate about, like, when you have compassionate empathy, what you may feel is a good idea may not be the best idea. And it feels (laughs) like there's a little bit of that going on as well. Maybe not necessarily in this scene, but I think there's maybe other examples in the movie where young Anakin is trying to display compassionate empathy. But really, it's like what he thinks is going to work best. And I mean, he's fucking nine. So, like, (laughs) he does have a lot of practice. He hangs out with just his slave mom and Watto uh, and
0: she's probably not around a lot because she's, you know.
1: Gotta do slave stuff. Yeah. <laughs> because she's under, she's under somebody else's control and has no free will. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, uh, I wanted to ask you, like, do you feel like there's moments where maybe he's trying to, ex specifically Anakin's trying to exercise empathy in The Phantom Menace and, or, like, showcase empathy, and it's just like, eh. Uh, hit an angle besides the pot racing thing or do you think it's like just the pot racing thing? Uh,
3: no, he makes the, uh, he makes this necklace for Padme. He carves it out of a Japur snippet uh, and he gives it to her right after they leave Tatooine because uh, he thinks that he's maybe not going to see her again. Uh, and it, it's uh, there's definitely lots of debate about the character Padme is 14 in the movie and the character of Anakin is 9. And that is the beginning of a romance. And th- it, that's weird. Uh, for sure. <laughs> there's no way around that. But... In this moment that could be... No, no, he, be.
1: he wrote that. He made a choice. He made a strong choice. He did. And he stuck with it. He did. He
3: did. <laughs> uh, part of the reason I like this uh, this movie is because it is like a relative who, who's like, you really like them, but there's some weird things about them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're excited to see them at Thanksgiving dinner because they're mm-hmm. going to be entertaining always. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so But the way he gives it to her could have been creepy, right? But he just gives it to her because he wants her to remember him and remember the time on the planet. And it, it there isn't anything more than that. It isn't like... And it's got my phone number in the back. Call me. You know, like, right. there's nothing attached to it. And I think part of that is because it's setting up the journey where he is going to start caring for Padme, not in a selfless way, but in a selfish way, which is where the Jedi get into the whole uh, attachment issues. It's not like they're just cold bastards. They come off like cold bastards. But the idea is he grows to love Padme in a selfish way where he is not concerned about her well-being. He's concerned about his pain losing her. So what, like that Ja'Poor snippet for me in the big picture is like, here he is younger before he's become kind of self-obsessed. And it's not the kind of, Damaged compassionate empathy. Where he's like, "What? Look, I care about you. So I've made several decisions for you, and without you asking, I slaughtered several people for you."
2: Right. You know, it's just, it's just, just right
3: d- now. I'm just I'm giving you a necklace because I thought it might make you feel nice.
1: Right. It's this thing where it comes from a good place at first. Yeah. But there is I don't know. There could be an argument to be made that uh, uh, she's like what are you doing? What is this? I didn't want you to give me a necklace. Like, I don't want gifts. I'm a fucking queen. Get away from I don't know that she would ever be that rude, but like there's maybe, she's yes. She's a
0: 14 year old girl and a queen. She's gotta be rude. <laughs> <laughs> she's gotta be rude to someone. She's very rude to the
3: Nemodians who invade her planet. Well, and she's very firm with the Senate when they won't See? take action.
1: And it does feel like Padme, Padme should be ruder, right? Like, She should be a little bit more bratty. Hashtag
0: girl boss.
1: Yeah. (laughs) As a 14-year-old queen, she should be a little bit more like... What the fuck? Stop interrupting everything with your Trade Federation bullshit. She's
0: very responsible. She's
1: super wise beyond her years in a way that I'm like, at 14, I don't
0: know. (laughs) Which makes the beginning of the relationship with the nine year old even more. Like, it's not like it's a 14 year old who's like, boys are yuck, I want to braid. It's like a 14 year old who's like going to these like Senate. Meetings and like voting, uh, and in charge of a planet, yeah. She yes. might as well
1: be in her mid 20s. And, and just to she- be clear, they <laughs> don't
3: start dating immediately, they don't see each other again for another 10 years. Yes, and then, it's, then yes. it's 19 and 24, which yes. of course we're all down with. That. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, that's
1: far. That's the two
3: hottest ages,
1: <laughs> <laughs> those are CWHs is what those are. Um, uh, who, <laughs> what are some other examples of like who you who do you think maybe uses empathy? Uh, the most wisely, or who who has the best display of empathy, besides young Anakin? Uh,
3: well, I think Padme is a great example of it because she she is wise and she is she is being empathetic very much on purpose. So uh, there's the whole convoluted thing uh, in the movie about the queens of Naboo use decoys. Uh, so she she has her her handmaidens. If you're more curious, uh, you're curious about this. There's a great Padme book by E. K. Johnston that dives into this. It's it's very uh, speaking of of Star Wars entry points for women, it's about this young queen, and she has basically a bunch of you know assassin bodyguards, best friends who also help her with her wardrobe. Like they're <laughs> very complicated and interesting. Yeah, see, if they had
1: made the movie of this when I was eight, I'd be all about that shit.
3: Yeah, they had you at choosing wardrobe. <laughs> yeah,
1: they really did. We
3: can help you do your elaborate ceremonial hair and kill a man. Yes,
1: uh,
2: <clears throat> I'm
3: yeah, it's pretty very awesome. in. So uh, when they're on Tatooine, uh, the actual Queen Amidala is pretending to be Padme the handmaiden. Nobody knows that she is actually the queen, so she seems like she's just coming from a more humble place because it's not this regal command necessarily. Uh, But Padme uh, really wants to go with Qui-Gon on this mission into this dangerous port on Tatooine Mos Espa because she wants to understand the culture there. So discovering Anakin, this connection to Anakin, is partially just because... She's like, I don't want to just be boxed into my worldview of what I think the galaxy is like from Naboo and from going to like the big government planet Coruscant. I want to see this small outer rim world. And she sees slavery like she was vaguely aware that there was slavery on these outer rim worlds that aren't controlled by the Republic. But she gets to see it for herself.
1: Oh, Padme gets woke. Yeah, She does,
3: basically, yeah. And then this book uh, that, uh, that I was talking about is about her figuring out, like, well, what the hell can I do about that? Because now that I saw it, I met people who are actually suffering from this. What can I do about it? So, like, there's that actual empathy. And then, like I was talking about their relationship with Jar Jar's people, the Gungans, that she comes up with this large plan of this is how we can free our planet that, you know, I will show you respect and that is what totally saves the day. The gungans are basically willing to uh, get a lot of themselves slaughtered
2: mm-hmm.
3: in order to make this work. <laughs> in order to get rid of the trade federation, Jar Jar drops <laughs> some balls, hurts his crotch, and a lot of gungans die.
1: <laughs> oh God, to think that like many of your many of your people or your community passed because of an accident with your balls. <laughs>
0: Were his balls okay?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed like it. I, so, I'm not sure. If so he Jar-Jar- chose his balls over... You know, I don't know Gungan anatomy. It seems like whatever is in his crotch yeah. was hurt.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> might not have been balls. It do could Gung have been like his heart.
1: Do Gungans fuck? They they fuck. Well, they they got...
3: One would assume. Yeah. I They've mean, got to do something. Jar Jar does have a girlfriend in the Clone Wars animated series. Oh, Yeah. But
1: Somebody told me this just, at some point. Yeah. Somehow I have this in the back of my Maybe brain. Maybe they somewhere. don't
0: fuck. Maybe the girls like go off and like lay eggs, and then like the guys go look for eggs and jerk off on them, and then like baby gungans come back.
3: <laughs> no, I,
0: I would consider this uh, a form of empathy, where you're trying to understand a different yeah. way than your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh. just. I just always think about if only humanoid humanoid creatures did it like fish. <laughs>
1: Uh, it feels like what, uh, Padme's doing is cognitive empathy, which is to understand how a person feels and what they might be thinking. Like, she wants to know, um, who these people are, what they're going through, because then there gets into some of the, then it turns into compassionate, like, well, how can I help? But at first, it just seems like it's very academic and sort of just this idea of, like, let me do a... Cultural ambassador tour. Let right. Be, let me be an attaché and like kind of figure out what's going on over there.
3: Right. Let me comprehend how you are different. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is that's cool. That's, we got two out of the three so far. What is it, like What examples. is the third one? Um, I got
3: distracted by brain nerd scientists. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh God. Yeah. Fucking brain nerds. <laughs> is there any way we can talk about this without bringing up science? <laughs> Nope, it's science is a big part of Star Wars.
1: <laughs> um, emotional empathy, uh, also known as affective empathy, uh, and that's the ability to share the feelings of another person. So, like, um, this is the kind of thing that helps you build emotional connections with other people. So, uh, the you know examples of building. Emotional empathy are things like uh, when a person tells you about, like, what's going on in their lives and you listen as opposed to judging them or being like, this is what you should do um, or being like, oh, I... Oh, Steve, I see that you're talking about this. Let me talk about that time that this happened to me and make this all about me now.
0: Those are the worst improvisers. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately thinking about improv scenes.
1: Um, Shut up so
0: I can say my thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Instead, instead, uh, somebody who's good at displaying emotional empathy will focus on understanding the how and the why. So like, how do you feel? Uh, and why do you feel that way? I feel frustrated that every Japanese travel guide just seems to be focused on the toilets. Why? Uh, Because I want to know about other things and I just think that it's weird. Um, (laughs) In this case, it seems like Padme is like, how do they feel about this?
3: There's a very specific example of the how, why question uh both both the anakin and one good and one not so good so the first one is padme she literally asks him how he's feeling when they first leave tatooine and they're on the ship and he says cold and she intuits why She's like well you're from a warm planet and space is very cold and she goes to him and gives him a blanket and that's when he gives her the poor snippet so they're making an emotional connection and it literally is the how you know how are you feeling why are you feeling let's discuss it your feelings are valid uh, and, you know, and she relates her own feelings of like, you know, Tatooine's a bit too hot for me because I don't come from that. So they're making they're sharing their perspectives. Uh, and then when Anakin is brought before the Jedi Council, they are, you know, a little bit uptight and rigid in this era. And they're very concerned about their rules and of somebody falling to the dark side. So they ask him how he's feeling and he tells them the same answer cold. And then they're immediately like, no, we can read your mind. You're afraid. No. <laughs> and it's oh, no, it's. It's like it, – it demonstrates to me like the – it's not just like having empathy. It's like hey, the responsibility of truly being able to know what someone else is feeling. It's it, – how you act on it is important, right? Right. Because they sense honestly that he is af- – that he misses his mother and that he's afraid he'll he'll never see her again. And they spiral into the like, but if you're obsessed with your mom, then – That means you are going to use your power in irresponsible ways to protect her. You're going to concentrate on that fear, on that fear of loss, and your fear of loss is going to cause you to lash out at anybody who you think is trying to take something from you. So, like, the Jedi are entirely correct in that first meeting with Anakin. It's exactly what happens, why they all get slaughtered, and why the galaxy is plunged into pain and chaos for uh, 20 years. But it was not an empathetic way to treat Anakin in that moment, and had they treated him with empathy like Padme did, where they were maybe like, well, I understand. It's you're, you're young and it is hard to leave your mother, but, you know, these are the things that we would like to talk about. Here's where we're coming from, young Anakin. Like, would it have made a difference? Like, that's, yeah. I think, some of the fun sort of Shakespearean elements of the prequels, where it's lots of like, what moment could this have been fixed?
1: He's nine. <laughs> he's a fucking nine year old. And he's away from home. I want he is. He's literally he is, physically cold. He is nine, right? I feel he's like I'm, nine. Okay, I was like, I'm gonna get so reamed if I just keep being this nine-year-old. I'd be like, actually he's eleven. Uh he's nine. That's so young. That's what? Th- third, fourth grade? Like, imagine if you're third a third or fourth grader again and you don't ever get to see whatever family that you've ever known. Yeah. Because you were being whisked away for a quote greater good. Like, that's so much for a fucking kid to wrap their head around. That's so unfair. Yeah. I, oh, now, see, now I feel <laughs> angry at the Jedi. <laughs> and why do I feel that way? Because I don't think that's a fair way to treat a child.
3: Yeah, but we can, what kind of empathy do we use when we're just trying to understand where they're coming from? Is that the first one?
1: I think that's emotional. Uh, cognitive is like what you you understand what they're thinking, okay, or understand like why they might think that way. Yeah, they kind of all blend together. Quite frankly, as I was doing this, what's
0: the empathy where if somebody <laughs> is actually offended, you're happy to apologize? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's, that's the old. maybe keep your goddamn job. <laughs> <up>. <laughs>
1: Um, ooh, fun fact for you, Steve. Okay. You know who uh kind of broke down the concept of empathy into these three categories? Uh Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, yes. Uh no, psychologist Daniel Goldman and Paul Ekman, the guy who uh did the facial action system oh, that we talked about in previous yeah,
0: episode with Lilan. Yeah,
1: when we talk about uh, facial expressions yeah. of her. I just want to throw that out. There's a little, Everything little is calming. connected.
0: A little mm-hmm. continuity, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So this episode is canon. Yeah. yeah,
1: the why do you know that verse? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I grossed myself out. Okay, so the Jedi is maybe an example of like, are they the worst examples of empathy? Or are they like the people who, who display it the worst? Or is there somebody who's even worse at display? it. Uh, I
3: would say, you know, the Phantom Menace himself, Palpatine, sure. Darth Sidious, the the absolute bad guy of the Star Wars Skywalker saga. He's, he's, yeah. he's yeah. real bad with empathy. Yeah, uh, the, the well, guy
1: that- who's like, let me fake a trade war. <laughs> you know, the sexiest of... Uh, International diplomatic complications. (laughs) (laughs) It is weird to me. It's always been weird to me that George is like, let's start with the most like boring possible thing for kids to get into. Here's one.
3: Yeah, I mean, Lucas is full of uh, contradictions, which is why it's really fun because this is much more of like, let's have a space adventure, a little bit more aimed at kids. John Jerry is going to hit his balls and step in shit and go icky icky. Uh, But it's also it's a political (laughs) (laughs) thriller.
1: It's the Manchurian candidates, yeah. but also potteries.
3: I also Yeah, this is, doesn't have to do with the empathy, but I always think of it this way. It's like, I understand. But a Star Wars movie, bang, it starts, and it's like, there's a trade dispute, and people are like, uh eh. <laughs> But like, think of it this way. So the Trade Federation has representation in the Senate, right? And then they're blockading this planet because they think they're being overcharged. So imagine if, in our real world, Amazon had representatives in the Senate, they thought the federal government was charging them too much, so they blockaded Maine. Like it's
0: Yeah, when it's, you in bring terms of conflicts like,
3: yeah. it's pretty exciting in, in yeah. when you relate it to the real world. It's not just like nah, boring. It's not like there's there's it's not a dispute over the like tax rate on, you know, giving money to children, you know, after you pass on or things like, you know. It's Yes.
0: Yeah. A blockade. It's an invasion. It's Ugh. slaughter. And in 2019, it's sad and scary because that example you gave is like, oh, that could happen tomorrow. It gets more and more relevant. Like, yeah, so Padme goes, and this will get back to, to
3: Palpatine. So Palpatine is both like this mystical, I can shoot lightning from my hands, evil <laughs> wizard, and also just like real world Mitch McConnell, shitty politician tying things up for his own. Bone ends. Right. It's like, Padme goes and is like, hey, uh, our planet's been invaded. I'm going to ask the Galactic Republic to do something about it. And then the senators from the Trade Federation go, well, we haven't verified that that's true. And can we get a commission appointed to check out if that's true? And because the uh, the chancellor, the current chancellor, Valorum, is weak, he's like, okay, I agree. Let's go check that out. So that's it's exactly the kind of thing that we're going through today, like an easily proven fact. The planet's been invaded. People are being murdered. It's not a matter of opinion. It's facts. It's fake news. They have photos. Yeah, and trade federation just basically goes, fake news, can't trust them. And it's exactly like the bullshit we're going through now with all of the various, like, grinding investigations into Trump's blatant crimes. Yeah. Like, we know that people from other governments are staying at his hotel. Yeah. We know that it's a violation of our rules. We all know it, but it's just, we're just grinding through like, well, I don't know if we should subpoena that guy, mm-hmm. and then even if that guy shows up, that's better a matter for the courts. So it's it's literally what's happening, and then Padme goes, "No, I'm going back with my weird fish gungan friends and some guns, I'm, <laughs> and I'm taking care of this today." <laughs> that's what man. happens. Who do
1: you feel like we should empathize with the most?
3: Hmm. Uh I think we I think the film wants us to empathize with Anakin and Padme. Um, together and or
1: or separately as All of characters. Them. Okay. All of them. okay,
3: yeah, yeah. It certainly empathize empathize with Jar Jar. I haven't really talked about Jar Jar. I think I think Jar Jar is definitely there for comedy, but he's there absolutely for the moral idea of be open to the idea that people have value even if they don't immediately appear to have value in your society. Mm. so Qui-Gon runs into him and rescues him and then uh, Obi-Wan is immediately and I'm a big Obi-Wan fan but Obi-Wan's a, a dick and it's <laughs> to prove a point where he's like "What? what is this guy about why is he here? <laughs> to yeah. be
1: fair we, I think we all have the same question <laughs> what is that guy about and why is he there?
3: Because he immediately helps Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon is kind to him and then he needs a guide to get back to a, a place and he's like oh well this guy actually knows the way and then Padme is kind to him and actually speaks to him and asks him how he's feeling and Mm -hmm. and what his deal is Mm -hmm. and then that's what leads to him going like oh did I not bother to mention that my people have an army and we have a great hiding place and we could actually turn this back so being kind to him has its own inherent value of being kind to another sentient creature who who might annoy us because he hits his balls too often but (laughs) I didn't think he hit him enough (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> special edition. Yeah, I'll I need a some special deleted edition scenes.
0: for Steve is oh. secretly
1: on as many forms as possible just being like, more ball hitting, ball please. Shots, ball I like shots. fan art,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point, we talk, I was telling you about Sonic the Hedgehog fan art and how yes. crazy it is. I want that with Jar Jar hitting his balls. I yes. think I can find that for you. I'll, I'll <laughs> oh, Google geez. when we're done. Hey, Siri. Siri. <laughs> no, be quiet. No, not really Siri. Siri. <laughs> No way, Siri. Uh, uh, but, it,
3: but it's also like uh, there can be some stuff to criticize in the way Lucas depicts. Um, uh, I, I don't have a better term for this. So I'm going to say, quote unquote, native. Cultures. Mm -hmm. Cultures who are living a little bit more in tune with the actual environment and aren't as industrialized. Right. But Jar Jar in the Gungans definitely represent that of like a more industrialized population can look down, or civilization can look down on Jar Jar in the Gungans. And this movie is really a, don't look down on people because they're different from you. Mm -hmm. That's just cruel. And who knows what you can accomplish if you actually work together and benefit one another.
1: Right. Yes.
3: And in that plays out, Jar Jar ends up being the junior senator. He's He and the Gungans are brought into the civilization of the Naboo and the civilization of the Republic. So it's not just like, hey, you helped us in this movie. Now, <laughs> fuck off back to the swamps. You know, they actually do become an ing- integrated culture.
1: Right. And they actually have a voice yeah. in the Senate, much like... Uh, Unfortunately, native people in this country lack a huge voice in both Congress and the Senate. Yeah, And that's uh, slowly but surely, hopefully being worked on one of these days. Yeah. Um, when should we empathize? Oh, when? Yeah. Like, when do you feel like is the key moment for maybe, like, pick a character any character here, because there's obviously m- multiple people that we... we in the who that we could empathize with but like is there a moment or a moment not to like is there a moment that you feel like maybe Lucas is saying like you should definitely be feeling some sort of empathy for this person at this moment likewise is there a moment where uh, you feel like Lucas is saying you should feel empathy and we as an audience are like no (laughs) what the fuck are you talking about do you you know what I mean Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I think there's a Challenging, but really important part of the film when Qui-Gon is able to free Anakin, but not his mother, Shmi. Mm-hmm. And this just gets into a lot of stuff about how the, the Jedi are, try not to be proactive. They they want to use, use their powers for defense and knowledge. So he's already stepped over the line by being proactive in, in freeing uh, Anakin. Uh, but he can't free Shmi. Anakin's really excited because he's always dreamed of being a Jedi and going off and having an adventure in space. So he's initially excited. Then he's like literally like, whoop, wait. What about mom? Uh, and Shmi really encourages him to make his own choice, which is great. And then she basically, it, it, again, well, she
1: can't make one; she's a slave. She's well, she lacks could tell him. To,
3: she could like. I think many people, many parents in that situation would go, no, stay here and figure <laughs> out a way for me to be free, and then we can both leave you, a little brat. Like, yeah, fair. She really fair. she encourages mm-hmm. him to go on the journey, and she also doesn't say, "I'm stuck here.
0: You go." She says you choose. Yeah. So
1: Oh, that's hard for a kid though.
2: It is. Isn't it? Oh like, my God.
0: I would I spent so many weekends at my grandma's house when I was little. I love going to my grandma's, but then I would be like, ready to go home, but she would like cry and be sad that I was leaving, <laughs> but not like alone in her room, like in front of me. right? Manipulative, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah,
3: and Shmi is not being manipulative. Yeah. She's doing everything she can to be honest about her own feelings but not being manipulative. And she basically, Anakin says, I don't want anything to change. And she said, you can't stop that anymore than you can stop the suns from setting. And this is a, a big theme in Star Wars about you always have a choice in the moment. You, you can't be too obsessed with the past. You can't try to dictate the future. You have to be in the moment and you have to make a choice and hopefully a kind and supportive choice. So she just tells him to, you know, let go. It's okay. Think uh, think happy thoughts. Don't look back and, and go on your life. And, you know, if in your heart you feel we'll see each other again, you know, maybe we will and that will be beautiful. So I think it's a moment where Lucas is laying out lots of, I think, valuable, good thoughts. Yeah. But it it, it But it's a challenging scene because you are asking, like, well, how does this mother feel that she isn't being freed, and how does she feel about sending her son off to have this weird life of monastic adventure right. with uh, this Jedi she briefly met uh, and had dinner with, you know? Uh, <laughs> and maybe th- th- they've got some looks back and forth. I, I think there's something going on there, but uh, it's it, yeah, it's really interesting because it, it's kind of thematically and emotionally pure, mm-hmm. but it can be challenging, especially like I've talked to parents who're like, it's hard for me to watch when she's just pretty cool with it like she's upset but she's trying to she's actually trying not to be your grandmother yeah she's trying not to make it about herself she's trying to be like you have your choice which is i think a demonstration of good attachment of like i love my child i would do anything for him but his path is his path to choose
1: who do you think could use some more empathy in the film or do you like even if they're getting some is there anybody or any moment in particular where it's like that's good but you personally wish, like, they could go farther.
3: Yeah, Obi-Wan is learning empathy. Like, mm-hmm. I think it is actually really a point. So uh, Qui-Gon is his Jedi Master. That's a, This is another point of kind of symbiosis that all, all of the uh, Jedi who are being taught, the Padawans, are paired with a Master, and they have this kind of father-son-trainer relationship. Uh, obviously, that changes with gender. Uh, and there are multiple genders in Star Wars. It's great. Anyway, um, Obi-Wan is so caught up in, like, the Jedi way of doing things, and, like... Obi-Wan is a little bit more flowing and natural, and that's why he's open to, hey, this Jar Jar guy might be all right. Uh, this young boy Anakin seems strong in the Force. I really want to investigate that. And Obi-Wan keeps going, like, why? Why? And he even uh, tells Qui-Gon, like, hey, if you actually just followed the Jedi code better, you would be on the council. So it's, Obi-Wan's kind of being like, you know, if you worked late on Friday, you'd be an assistant manager too. <laughs> like, in, in real world terms, like, he is caught up in that world and he is not opening himself to see things from other people's perspective until the end of the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Qui-Gon is killed. Spoiler. Uh, But they tell you that right on the soundtrack. Uh, So Qui-Gon dies and Qui-Gon asks Obi-Wan to please train Anakin. And I think it's at that moment that Obi-Wan really sees how much this means to Qui-Gon and becomes absolutely certain that he must train Anakin himself. Mm-hmm. And then I think tries to start seeing things a little bit more from other people's point of view.
1: Uh, and so you feel like in that moment, that's that's where like Obi Wan could have been could have used that all along, but he had to learn this very hard lesson to get to that point.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So there, ha- Qui Gon and Obi Wan are having a discussion, and and Qui Gon actually says to him like, "Well, that's only true from from your point of view." Uh, and a second later, Qui Gon. Uh, tells Anakin like I can't train you yet but just remember your focus determines your reality and this is a huge theme of Star Wars which I think goes into sort of like the absolute basic necessary building blocks of empathy of just imagine things from other people's perspective and not even just like, what was it like to be in Michigan when no scouts were coming through? When you obviously have to, you can think of it on
0: like that level, but Steve then- He's
1: so mad. His face <laughs> is so angry. Well,
0: I do remember there was a rumor that one of my friend's brothers was uh, almost going to be cast in Home Alone 3. So it does make me wonder if maybe there were scouts going around. I wasn't. Uh, but it gets into just like that even deeper idea of,
3: we can see the truth entirely differently. hmm You know, and, and everybody calls Obi-Wan shady because he eventually says to Luke in Return of the Jedi, oh, hey, when I told you your, your father was murdered by Darth Vader, it was true from a certain point of view because from my point of view, the good person who was Anakin was consumed and killed by Darth Vader mm-hmm. and when people hear that it's like you shady <laughs> motherfucker yeah, yeah. but it's you see him yeah, begin just- to learn these lessons of like it, it, and I really try to concentrate that on that even in like social media when I'm fighting with people of like or not fighting with people when people are getting aggressive with me of like why do you think that and maybe if I even if I have the time and somebody comes at me with like they're angry about my Star Wars opinion or angry about even a political opinion if I have time you don't always have time, because it's time consuming to just try to understand why do you think that?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And like that is the absolute building block of any kind of empathy. Mm-hmm. you know and understanding when you're not going to be able to have empathy because if somebody's just like, I am mired in this truth, it, that is my truth and there is no changing it. You can be like, I have empathy. I understand where you're coming from. But if your point of view means you feel a certain group of people should be denied rights or murdered, You can't be like, let's meet in the middle. Yeah, no, empathy
1: is about being able to see this stuff. And in some cases, like with compassionate empathy, being able to take action on understanding that, like, they feel this way, so here's how I will help. It does not say that empathy is about agreeing with other people (laughs) or getting on the same page with people. So anytime there's a moment when somebody's being just a true dickwad online it's just like no 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 i don't agree with your value system i don't agree with your morals i i can't be empathetic to you because whatever it is that you're yelling about i vehemently oppose it Mm -hmm. and there's no way to get around that yeah uh and i i mean there's not i'm trying to think like uh, memory always in the film, like, there's not that many moments where it's like, I guess when it comes to the Trade Federation stop, there's this, like, vehement of opposition to things. But all that's being controlled by this maniac. Yeah. So it's and, like, and he has. Eh, uh, I don't know that uh, that yeah. counts.
3: Insidious has the first one, just the uh, psychological. The, what was it? the first one? The first empathy? Cognitive. Cognitive. So he just, he understands where people are coming from so he can manipulate them.
1: Right. He, yeah. <laughs> he has no yeah. interest
3: in understanding or, you know, finding common ground or anything like that. It's just. What do you want? Oh, good. I'll manipulate you.
1: Yeah. The insert, p- p- anybody who's worked at the White House since January 2017 <laughs> here. Person. Yes. There
0: are plenty of tour guides and docents who <laughs> <laughs> are See, just there. Here's, who here's... will speak for the docents? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you need to have empathy yes. for the White House docents Yeah, who've been docenting for years. They just you want wait, to share the history of the, the building. Yeah.
1: yeah. Cafeteria workers are like, look, man, I just got, I need a job. And that mm-hmm. job is making mashed potatoes for the, for the people that are in this building. Try
3: burnt hamburgers for this monster. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> burnt steak and ketchup, which yeah. honestly, I, okay, fine. There's one thing that I agree with Trump on. And it's that well I'm done. not a big steak eater, but I would probably love it charred with ketchup. Uh, just like Trump
1: yeah I also lean towards well done meat which I know <laughs> makes me a monster I know I know because I've been to nice steakhouses and I've been like I am so sorry what's the most you can cook this uh, because I I don't know I,
0: I don't have know. empathy have you- for yes. the cow and I want it to be as distant from being an animal as possible <laughs> So it you want lead. all the midi chlorines cooked out of the gut. Yes.
1: I have empathy for scientists who are telling me that, like, when you eat undercooked meat, it is bad for your body and you might get a disease. I think that's what it comes down to for me. So, like, I understand that cooking at medium rare is the way that it's supposed to go. But when I see pink inside a steak, I'm like, ah!
3: What will the meat nerd scientists they feel uh, or think? We have a
0: huge meat nerd scientist <laughs> following.
1: Um, who do you you empathize with the
3: most? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I yeah. Th- think uh obi-wan kenobi and it's not for narrative reasons it's for like kind of why why representation is important Mm -hmm. uh you know i was around his age a little younger when i saw the phantom menace and uh i feel like obi i've always gravitated to that character because he's kind of snarky he has a little bit of a sense of humor he is definitely kind, but he's also a little bit impatient and grumpy. A little edge. Got a little he's, edge. He's got, he's got a little edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he really sees things in a sort of complex way, so I always I always find myself gravitating to that character. And, like, when the movie ends, you are just like, I fantasize about being in it. Mm-hmm. I am Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, in terms of empathy, you know, I feel for a lot of, like, I feel for Qui-Gon, I feel for Anakin, Shmi, Padme, even Jar Jar. Like, I mean, I can definitely put myself into, like, Places where, like... um,
1: It's not his fault. He keeps it in his own balls. Well, I mean, everybody
3: knows that, especially, (laughs) like, in Hollywood. Everybody can feel like Jar Jar in Hollywood where you walk into a room and you happen to... Maybe you're on a show with a bunch of, like, much more famous-than-you people and you feel this hypertension on you of, like, the famous person could vomit in the corner and everybody laugh and take Instagram photos. Like, if you trip, if you clear your throat too loud, the entire room will look at you like the hell did you just do person is who is here but isn't quite valued here hasn't proven like that's totally the way jar jar is treated at the beginning of this movie just like I'm a klutzy weirdo, and everybody hates me. But I'm just trying to just trying to go through my day and be a good sentient being.
1: Yeah, I'm rolling with the punches here, even though you people have no real reason to hate me <laughs> apart from my speech pattern is different than yours. I apart from I'm very tall. He's tall,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, he's yes, tall. He's, he's big a big
0: guy. Ears. Uh, yeah. I. This is. I'm just having. Uh, I, my biggest problem with the movie and something I can't empathize with is how they <laughs> is how um, uh, they say that he saves uh, Jar Jar's life by not being run over by a tank, but the tank's hovering, so like he didn't get he didn't save his life because he would have just got like knocked down and the tank would have hovered <laughs> over. <him. laughs> I know that has nothing to do with anything, but that image just popped in my head about empathy and you know saving his life, and then I just remembered that that tank hovered. <laughs> it is true that anyone. he would not immediately have been crushed, no, but he there were been several B one battle droids
3: okay uh, coming up behind it, flying in on stabs okay single trooper aerial platform uh, obviously yeah uh, so and and you know you this is one of those things where I, this comes up a lot in discussing Star Wars like it's not true. The character who said it thinks it's true. Yeah. So, like, Jar Jar thinks he got rescued, but you point out
0: validly that one cannot be run over by something that hovers. No. (laughs) That's all I wanted. Yeah.
1: But can you?
0: Well, I'm trying to empathize with the science nerds here.
3: (laughs) Now, if it caught his balls and dragged him.
0: Yeah. Oh, that'd be
2: funny. That'd be funny.
0: It's so hard to empathize when it comes to ball hitting because it's so funny.
1: Uh, do you empathize at all with like what's happening in the Trade Federation, or do you feel like those guys are just morons because they're getting played by Palpatine?
3: Yeah, they're getting played by Palpatine, and they're just being greedy. They're just absolutely being greedy. It's so real world, and it is a kind of real world perspective that I have a hard time empathizing with. I'm right. just like, I want more money, even though I already have insane amount of monies, even though I, I, I'm clearly causing suffering and destroying the planet, you know, uh, which is where the story eventually goes with all of these, uh, you know, machinations of the Empire it actually does at least, like ravage planets and destroy them for resources. So it gets even more real world. So, yeah, it's hard for me to understand, like, what um I, I, no I can't yeah I yeah I struggle with it
1: yeah yeah because at this point certainly at this point in the year of Our Lord 2019 I've had it up to fucking here with people yeah. who are like I make a lot of money but I would like to make three times as much for no good fucking reason I guess if
3: I was able to be like in a alone in a room with Newt Gunray the Viceroy of the Trade Federation I guess I would try to be like tell me about your culture is this a thing where you are valued if you make the most money what emotion in you is fulfilled by making the most money, is there a different way that you could fulfill that emotion? But again, it gets down to like, it's all it's it's very very time consuming. Yeah, <laughs> to be empathetic with people who have extremely different views than you, yeah. right?
1: I don't need to empathize with Supreme Chancellor Valor Valorum. Valor- Valorum, uh, or Finis
3: Valorum, he had a hard life. <laughs>
1: Wait, why? I, don't, I fucked up his name, obviously. I don't know this guy. I'm trying to make a one-off joke. I can't even say his fucking name. What's his deal? Why uh, is it such a hard life?
3: Oh, he's just, I think he is uh, caught in in the middle of a corrupt system. You know? Oh, so you know, he's, honestly, a,
1: he's a guy who's like, no, 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 but if I'm inside the system, I can change it, as opposed to being the revolutionary is, outside the system creating a new one.
3: Yeah, he's Adam Schiff.
2: Right oh. now, He's like, the,
3: I'm trying to follow all the rules because rules are what society is based on. And that was a valid request for a committee that the Trade Federation meant. And oh, I was reminded that we do need their vote on this other thing that's important by somebody whispering in my ear. So I guess I better in the whole world is like, no.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're doing
3: a bad thing and you have power. Tell them no.
1: Yeah, well, I would. But the rules state that we do it very differently. Fuck the rules, actually.
3: Valorum is for sure issuing very firm statements in tweets.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, as Taylor Swift says, if you say it in a tweet, that's a cop out. Yeah,
1: yeah, but didn't she also just say, what is uh, yeah? who is the Taylor Swift of the Phantom Menace world? The person who's saying, if you're a Democrat, just get in the car, that's cool, we're going to the mall, that thing that she said uh, recently. It's, it's, that's
0: very Padme, Padme yeah. is very, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're very to like, we're on, we're, on the,
1: we're on the same side, cool, let's go get dressed.
0: Did yeah. Padme wait till gay culture was safe enough <laughs> that she could get on board with it? <laughs> Given her outfits in the Phantom Menace, <laughs> I'm gonna say
3: no, she was already <laughs> On board, she
0: was, I want the most. She again, she has a team of assassins to dress her. Oh my gosh!
1: Ah, uh, RuPaul wishes. How do you have time
0: to assassinate anyone and put all of that on her? And have know. the
1: most beat face I've ever mm-hmm. seen in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ray cannot compare. I mean, she can't because she's living alone in the desert, uh, and has to uh, th- her weekly savings goes to a quarter portion of this uh, puff yeah. bread. But it does but. annoy
0: me that she doesn't try as hard appearance-wise.
1: Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work with what you've got. I
0: think she's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> she's doing
1: a good job. Uh, yeah, now, uh, her- Laura Dern, because I don't remember oh, her yeah. name. Oh
3: yeah, Vice Admiral Holder.
1: J- yes, you are correct. I just always think of it as Laura Dern in, the, in Star Wars Age. Space
3: Laura Dern? Space Laura Dern. She, space is, Laura she Dern. is Space Laura Dern.
1: She's got like a great look going
0: on. Oh, yeah. I feel
1: like it goes Padme, then Space Laura Dern.
0: Her name could have been a Star Wars name if she was like Commander Laura Dern. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a Star Wars name. Absolutely! What if you cast Laura Dern in your Star Wars, and then you're just like, you're Commander Laura Dern. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been fine with it. Many people would not. <laughs> oh yeah. Get. I
1: would have been cheery. Well, I would have ma- stood up and clapped and annoyed everyone around me. No,
0: because all of the like toxic fans uh would have been so distracted by Commander Laura Dern's name that they would <laughs> everything else would have been fine.
1: They should have a little empathy for some of us who when they see Laura Dern in anything react with <gasps> like a like a gasp yeah. because yeah, she's yeah. so great. I
0: Moving, do think yeah. I think I'm I'm definitely one of the smaller percentage of the population where like the appearance of Laura Dern in Star Wars to me raised the cred of Star Wars of like, wow, you got Laura Dern. Yes. Whereas Laura Dern's probably like, oh my God, I get to be in a Star Wars movie. (laughs) Yes. And I'm I'm sitting here like How in the world did Star Wars? Yeah,
1: get Laura Dern! What a coup! What a coup! What a professional (laughs) coup!
3: She was so excited to be in Star Wars. They uh, could not get a shot of her firing her blaster without her saying "pew." So, if you look (laughs) in the final film when she fires her blaster, Laura Dern's mouth
0: makes the "pew" shape. (gasps) Uh, okay. She should have taken a Groundlings 101. They have <laughs> knocked that right out of her.
1: Uh, do we feel any sympathy for any of the Siths? No. Yes. Right? Oh, yes.
0: Uh, n- but not
3: not from, uh, you You have to have other readings outside of the film. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the pattern of the Sith is a master and an apprentice. The master gets the apprentice. In order to really bathe them in the dark side, which is all fear and anger and hate, uh, you torture and, them.
0: And suffering. And
3: suffering, yeah. Uh, you you torture them. And basically, uh, Darth Maul uh, was given to Sidious uh, when Darth Maul was a child, and he's basically just been trained. Like, you ha- your only point of existence is to prove yourself to me, to become the most badass where you can, and it's all the Jedi's fault, and you have to go kill the Jedi. That's your only point for existing. So he's just a weapon just sharpened to be nothing but a aching wound of a sentient being. So... That's not in the film.
2: <laughs> right. But from
3: the supplemental material, when I watched the film with all of that, I'm like, oh, poor Darth Maul. He's just been
0: absolutely shaped into this. There's no free will
3: in this. Right. Okay. That's like,
0: another thing we talked about with on was environment. and Yes. You know, and yeah. how
1: that shapes both your understanding of other folks and, like, what it turns people into. Yeah. Um. What about Boss Nass?
3: <laughs> what about Boss Nass? Yeah, I have, I have empathy for Spitty Spitty I Boss I hope. Nass.
1: I hope that the the Mandalorian follow up on Disney Plus is. What about Boss Nass? And uh, it's just like a. It's just Boss Nass going like this, like a. Like an 80s sitcom uh. where it's just like shrugging. It's <laughs> like a shrug and there's other Gungan behind him with their arms crossed just being like, yeah, this guy, he's- Which, gonna-
3: which one was, was this? Who uh, was this? Uh, uh, boss Nass is the leader of the Gungans uh, uh, who okay. says,
0: me so like yeah. this, and then gets all spitty. Kind of like- um, He shakes he was, his jowls and He spits. was our stand-in for Jabba the Hut. I feel. And ooh, like, we yeah. gotta have a big old monster <laughs> sitting on him throne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have a big old you know, guy who yeah. drools. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. What's the okay. second beat of Jabba? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nicer. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're gonna heighten it by de heightening. He's yeah. gonna be better and better. He's
0: actually gonna be less gross, not have Slave Leia, um, and be thousands times more amicable, but otherwise, <laughs> basically the same.
1: Do we feel like uh, predictions for Star Wars 9 uh, that there's gonna be... Who, who? What's that big monster gonna be like and how nice will they be? <laughs> so we've been building to this for a while.
0: Ooh,
3: a big, another big monster.
1: Yeah. Mm. Like, who, what will their name be? What planet will they be from? Who will be going to see them? I
0: think it's gonna be the mother Porg and we're gonna find out that all along, <laughs> Porgs were infiltrating And they have like camera and microphone like capabilities in their eyes and ears to record everything. Ah! Mother Porg knows everything. Oh my
1: God. I did not mention this when we were talking about our connections to Star Wars. The one thing that I really love about Star Wars is the Porg. Now, again, this is probably gonna piss off a lot of people, but the first time I saw a featurette for Star Wars 8, it's like a minute (laughs) long and uh. There's just like a three-second clip of a porg turning around with its like slack-jawed, wide-eyed, doofy-ass look. And I literally out loud said, who is that? It's my dumb son. And I just <laughs> stuck with that. I felt such maternal instinct for these fucks that I immediately went out and bought one when Merchandise was available. is actually holding it right now. <laughs> if you press its stomach, it makes noises. Yep. Yeah.
0: It makes a noise of like a pork that doesn't want to be squeezed. <laughs> it's That's the, the most pork realistic battle cry. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
1: And it's And it st- keeps going. It's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever purchased. <laughs> I love it to death. It looks so dumb. Its mouth is just wide open. It, it's like got like matted feather fur or whatever. Yeah. Like it looks disheveled. Uh, this is
3: definitely a drunk Porg. Yeah, a uh, hungover <laughs> porg. I have a different porg that is much more smooth and I have him sitting in my apartment so the sun just hits him beautifully during the magic
0: hour. Oh.
2: <laughs> the porg so looks sweet. like
0: they're having such deep thoughts about their career. It's so great. <laughs> Porg's no. wondering why they didn't get that Dairy Queen audition.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, this porg is like it's too this is the porg that parks its car outside of 200 South La Brea like runs in trying to throw its shirt on so that it can be a business casual for the audition. And they're already like 20 minutes late. It's such a deep cut. I'm so sorry to anybody who's not in this city for hearing me say that joke. It's the stupidest motherfucker and, and por- I love it so much.
0: This porg looks so confused.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: It really does. That, yeah. is, that is a cry of,
1: why? Yeah, yeah.
2: Why yeah. do I exist?
1: I love to just flap its little wings and then immediately drop it on the floor as if it like <laughs> forgot how to fly.
0: This porg's facial expression, to me, says it's a, a Twilight Zone episode twist where somebody <laughs> woke up as a porg. <laughs> That's what I see on this porg's face is it's a human being that woke up as a porg. <laughs> And it's trying to say, I'm a human, I'm a human, but everybody else is just hearing this.
1: Um. Uh, what about Yoda? He makes a small appearance in this Yeah, world. yeah. Do we feel empathy for Yoda?
3: I do feel empathy for Yoda because I think he, uh, he senses that Anakin is different and that he is powerful and that there is something to this prophecy of uh, one who's going to bring the balance to the force. So he- he has an uncertain relationship with prophecy. It's like, well, you should respect it, but you shouldn't. That's dwelling on the future. But here's this child in front of me who's very powerful, and so I think Yoda is kind of torn about the right way to handle this. And mm-hmm. I think he is certainly not as empathetic in his manner to Anakin, but he's got this huge responsibility. He's in charge of this whole Jedi institution. Ten thousand Jedi—they've survived for generations, uh, and they're getting a little bit more. Rigid. They're getting a little bit more set in his ways and he's trying to navigate like but but those ways are all there so that half of us don't turn to the dark side and then slaughter the galaxy it's like Yoda's like I'm trying to be mindful I'm trying to live in the moment and I'm always aware that these 10,000 super powered beings under my watch. Any one of them could turn and just start slaughtering everyone around them. That's a huge burden to bear. <laughs> yeah. Right? So And so that's what he's just thinking think- about when like, this powerful kid who's at the center of a prophecy, yeah, maybe we should just tell him to fuck off. No, maybe we should train him. No, maybe I should train him. Maybe Obi-Wan should train him. I, Yeah. Maybe let's just go with the flow and see what happens, which is what Yoda gets to. Like, all right, Obi-Wan, I'm nervous about this, but you train him and we'll- oh, just, we're just going to meditate this on this a lot and cross our fingers.
1: He's nine. What could go wrong?
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, just thinking about the idea of, like, you're just trying to mind your own business. And it's like, hey, guess what? Everything that you've worked for could probably fall apart because a nine-year-old came in and everybody has strong opinions about it. <laughs> That's messed up. Um, is there anything that you feel that, like, Is missing from this conversation, or any (laughs) any point that you're like, I I need to say this this uh this thing.
0: Anything you'd feel remiss. (laughs) Anything feel in
1: terms of empathy, in Star Wars colon episode one dash the Phantom Menace parentheses. It all goes back to (laughs) (laughs)
3: Shmi. It all goes back to Shmi. I think uh I would say even if if people are like. Uh, they watch The Phantom Menace and like, great, I see this, but I, I'm i bothered by other things I don't like about Phantom Menace, which I understand there there are plenty of reasons to have criticisms of it. I, I would encourage people to just be intrigued enough by these ideas to go like watch the new movies and think about how all these ideas of the point of view and empathy and the difference between doing something selflessly or for selfish reasons, how strongly they resonate. Look at Ray and Kylo's complicated relationship where they were, Ray was born or left abandoned she has no one kylo was left uh was born in the shadow of these great heroes so he feels he can never live up to them and he's going to be abandoned so they're on these opposite sides they have these opposite experiences ray has no family kylo has too much family and feels burdened by it and the last jedi they come together and they're like we're both really powerful and people are kind of scared of us and we're both alone can we try to see things from a different point of view and Ray is reaching out to him in a kind way of like come back to the light it's going to be better for you and Kylo is continuing like come to me so I can feel validated that I have someone Yeah. so like all of these themes of trying to understand somebody's perspective then what action do you take then is the action actually selfless or pro-social or is it selfish to just fill a hole in your soul and all of these themes just kind of resonate and go on and on and on in Star Wars storytelling.
1: Yeah, it feels definitely like when it comes to this newer set of films, that uh, Kylo is basically what happens when your two super liberal parents raise their kid to be like, you know, super, super liberal. And then you get these kids that are like, I know what I'll do. I'll rebel against all of that and join the army. And you're like, how'd that kid end up becoming Alex a part P. Keaton?
0: He's Alex P. Keaton. Full family ties. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. The books play out uh, to let us know that they kept Vader from him. So he's also got that, like, I didn't know my grandfather was
1: that. evil,
3: and that's a thing I could do too. Yeah. I didn't know that was also part of the family business. Yeah. It's, I'll do that. Yeah.
1: Instead, it's like, we'll keep this, we'll keep that part hush hush as opposed to being like, let's sit down and have a chat about uh, space fascism and what that looks like and why your <laughs> granddad was probably not the best dude. Let's discuss. The reasons why, tell us how you feel about not knowing your granddad and us keeping this information from you. Yeah. And instead they're just like, yeah, we'll never tell him. But for a for a series of stories that takes place in fucking space with that many planets, it definitely feels like everybody's up in everybody's business, so he's going to find out. Like, rumors are going to abound. Yeah. Then, then he's going to figure out at some point, like, yeah, my granddad is a... Uh, uh, the guy that like led what they're into and you know what they're gonna give me they're gonna give me the validation that you fuckers won't because you're too busy with your uh, yeah you're, you're too busy trying to save things yeah and uh. imagine imagine
3: just growing up angry and then having somebody come along and go you know what you should be angry all the time it will make you more powerful
1: right and yeah th- and
3: then and then there's always the line like and then we'll get in, in your power will give us order and yeah. everyone will be happy. Like So I I, I think the sequel trilogies are, 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 movies are really great. They're really complex and they hinge on these ideas of empathy.
1: That thing that you just said is legit happening because it's like, that's a huge part of why we've got all these late teen, early 20s, uh, mostly, I'm going to say, white kids who are like and male because what happens is they like, say some stupid ass joke at school when they're a kid and they don't fucking know any better because they're just saying shit to be provocative because they're 12 or whatever and then they get punished for it and then they go online and like this sucks and then other forces come in and do that exact thing where it's like you're right to be angry like and then they start to put ideas in these kids and this is how these kids end up in these like uh, subreddit wormholes. Right, it's all these
3: PC people who hate you and only care about their identity and want to deny you your identity and all right. these things that it's, I don't think are true are fed to these people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's empathy Chernobyl happening online <laughs> where they're just blowing up any existence of cognitive or compassion or the other one, emotional empathy yeah. and just being like, fuck all of that, you're absolutely right, you should get to do whatever you want uh, and then just validate the worst feeling in a person. Um, I'm surprised that that doesn't, you know, come up more when we're talking about. Yeah. When I see any kind of Kylo Ren discussion online, I'm like, you know, he's an allegory for all these like <laughs> these Reddit assholes. You know that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to say it,
3: no. I mean, no, no <laughs> you but don't I alien- no. It's it's not subtle. I mean, yeah. it, it is. It's somebody who it, it's it's growing up in the shadow of a previous conflict and trying to make sense of it. And you know, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely that. Uh, I think the the one other thing I did want to say that there, there I wrote down Obi Wan's specific line that he says to to Boss Nass to the Gungan that uh, that you and the Naboo form a symbiote circle. What happens to one of you will affect the other, and I think that it's an important line because it, it is showing that the film is really aware of like it isn't just about hey it's nice that we understand each other. It is that we need each other, mm-hmm. and like that no one is able to just do things by themselves or certainly have a you know a productive. Happy, healthy existence without trying to work together, and even if you don't want to live in like perfect harmony, you still have to live in existence. You know, yeah. and find a way to be together.
1: Uh, Jessica Grimshaw thank you so much for coming on. Why do you Absolutely. know that? Thank uh, you for having me. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug at this time?
3: Yes, uh, I got a couple podcasts. I have the Obsessed podcast, and then I have the Force Center podcast, where we talk about a lot of this kind of stuff—the sort of the the fun surface level aesthetics of Star Wars, but also like the deep stuff. Uh, the themes and all the ideas uh, I am a writer for the Adult Swim show Tigtone, which is a fun fantasy Comedy parody uh, Thing that is on Adult Swim's website The first season and the second season Should be coming pretty soon uh, And then my website has links to all of my Comedy albums and uh, uh, Podcasts and everything And that's josephscrimshaw.com
1: And where can people find you online?
3: Uh, my Twitter and Instagram handle are just my name So at josephscrimshaw
1: I have one last question Okay. The fuck <laughs> She explicitly, fought
0: explicitly yes. she does not.
1: What? No.
0: She did once.
1: Yeah. No,
3: she didn't. That's the whole thing. What? Uh Anakin is a is a surprise birth. Uh that's the, that's part of his uh the history of him as the chosen one in the mystery. He's a of Jesus him. baby. Wait, so yes. we
0: waited until like the episode's officially anyway, over for goodbye. you to drop the Immaculate Conception <laughs> I, I mean, do I do have no, I have I need
3: some clarification or Star Wars fans are gonna get mad. She says clearly that, because Qui-Gon asked who the father is, and she says there was no father. Uh, You know, I carried him. I gave birth to him. I can't explain what happened. So that's the story of Anakin. But then she's married to Klieg Lars, and I think Klieg and Schmi fuck. Mm.
0: Hell yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I gotta go. I'm horny.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. If you love the podcast, share it with everyone you know, any way you know how. Subscribe, like, rate, and review us on iTunes. If you've got questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, whatever, you can email us at why do you know that pod at gmail.com. Or if you're more of a picture person, follow us on Instagram at why do you know that pod. But if you'd rather hang out on Twitter, follow us at why do you know pod. Different, because Twitter has weird character restrictions on the handles. Let's do this again sometime.